your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not Let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr. Day one of the sports hiatus. And this is about, Nate, when this when this is uh, happening right now. You yep. know, we're usually just seeing tip-off, seeing first pitch, seeing toe meat leather. Instead, I'm looking at a black TV. Nothing on. Don't uh, even have it on. Now, I've got the 30 for 30 on of the Lakers and the Celtics. And, by the way, ESPN needs to do the right thing as a company. And we're going to hear it. <laughs> we're going to say that a lot about a lot of, of corporate uh, entities. They need to do the right thing. They need to air every 30 for 30 just back to back to back yeah. the world does not need more Stephen A Smith he has nothing more to offer the world so all the 30 for 30s put them on do the right thing and, and make the world a little better even as miserable as we all are that that is a good idea actually yeah. I, I think uh, there are lots of people that would that would get into that um well how was your first day today um <clears throat> What did you do? Where was your head at? All the fine details. Well, see, Ben, I'm cheating everybody here because I have the great privilege of calling some state basketball. Uh, and, and I had uh, Lincoln Christian and Auburn this morning in Jim Weeks. Auburn Bulldogs won by 12 over Lincoln Christian. And so I, I got to cheat everybody, really. And, and I got a little fix you know, it's high school basketball. It's not quite to the quality you would hope. I was hoping I'd be out at Bowling Stadium for a couple of games. But I got some high school basketball. And tomorrow, the those state finals are on. And, you know, I love the state tournament, but it's usually not high-priority viewing for me. What else are you going to watch tomorrow? I mean, that's all there is. So, uh, But I, I worked that state tournament game and then ran home for a little while, ran back here, and, and uh, got ready to host uh, this program with you here today. And it, it's just weird thinking about the, the, the non-sports universe because for so many of us, it's our primary entertainment, right? Like we, we watch TV, we watch movies, whatever. But our first question is, okay, what games are on? You know, it's the first thing we flip on. And, you know, if we're underwhelmed by that, the slate that night, there's no college basketball that grabs our fancy. There's no, you know, there's not a rando NHL game on. Then maybe we delve into the other stuff. But just not to have that and to know that that's not going to be there for a month, more than a month, two months, three months, whatever it ends up being. Uh, I'm I'm starting to get the shakes thinking about it and the idea of not having it, you know, after tomorrow, there are going to be even fewer live sporting events available to us here. So uh, it, it's a broad expanse of really nothingness for me. How'd you survive? Um, this morning we uh, we woke up and we thought, 
you know, let, let's go to the let's go to the wholesaler and uh, and see, you know, what what's happening there. We we didn't go with any intention of stocking up, you know, going for the waters, going for the the paper towels, the toilet paper, you know, the bread. We didn't have any intention of doing that. It was more so, you know, we've got a few things we need to get, and you know, if we see stuff along the on along the way, we'll chuck it in the cart. But there was not a lot of agenda. And we were one of the only ones there without agenda. It was clear. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And the idea for me of of kind of where we're at just, you know, day to day as a society, it 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 still feels like we're living a, a movie a little bit. Like yeah. this feels like the Truman Show is what this feels like. And it's becoming more real. I don't know that it's entirely set in yet that we are sportsless mm-hmm. uh, for the foreseeable future. I think once March Madness gets here, and, and honestly, even this weekend, like like I said last night on the show, I spent the entire day before with my head buried in Wichita State Shocker baseball, <laughs> and and that's where I should be right now. Instead, I'm going to be at home. Uh, we've got some painting we need to finish up. I'm sure I'll, I'll get there, and that's what it's going to become. You know, just just life without sports is not something that that I'm I'm ready for. Right. And you know, has it set in for you yet? I mean, no. what's what what is it going to seem like? This new life is is normal for you. Well, it, it's going to take a while, and and maybe it happens this weekend because, uh, like you, usually this is my busy part of the year. I don't know what it's like to have consecutive weekends in March or in April open because, you know, for the last 17 years, I've been with Husker softball doing something and not public address announcing, radio announcing, whatever. And even when we weren't doing every single game, if I wasn't working Husker softball, I was working gymnastics, I was working basketball. So, so the idea that now and for the next three months extra, you know, we're, we're not going to have anything. And and so it hasn't really set in for me now, again, in part because I've been able to sneak over to the state basketball tournament and do a few games. But I think when it's really going to get to me, it might happen this weekend, but definitely by the middle of next weekend to next weekend when it's been a whole week and I haven't seen a ball bounce and I haven't heard a pep band, I haven't seen any scores there aren't going to be any scores for a while. That's that's when it's going to start to really hurt and, and really get to me that that the stuff I love isn't there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we still have a full three hours of Sports Nightly coming your way tonight. Uh, coming up here in just a little bit, we'll talk with Chris Hetty from the Omaha World-Herald. He was boots on the ground in Indianapolis when Nebraska basketball uh, was playing their final game of the season against Indiana. Thankfully, um, you know, nothing cut short there. Husker season was over regardless. So we'll talk to Chris Hetty to kind of relive the events for us that took place a couple of nights ago and and uh, and pick his brain there. Coming up in hour two of the program, Matt Coatney, our own Matt Coatney, had his season end early with Nebraska women's basketball, who was all but going to earn a spot in the WNIT tournament. And so coat and the Nebraska women's basketball team has their season cut short so we'll get his thoughts on um, this situation and how you know he, he thinks the response from the team is going to be 
Then on the other end of the spectrum, we have seasons that have not started yet and are postponed, Major League Baseball. So we'll talk with Lane Grindle from the Milwaukee Brewers uh, coming up in Hour 2 of the show. Of course, uh, Hour 3 coming your way. Uh, Jeff Colhane, former host of this show, will stop by. He was getting ready to head somewhere with North Dakota State basketball as the Bison had won their conference tournament, and we're off getting ready to head off uh, for their destination in the NCAA tournament for March Madness. That will not happen. So we'll get the thoughts of the folks in Fargo. Jeff Colhane will stop by in Hour 3. And we'll also have our weekend review of Sports Nightly here tonight as well. 866-HUSKER-1, the number 866-487-5371, the number to get into the program tonight. Um, Nate, we do have some news today, no sports, but a couple of things that we need to hit on, starting first with a statement that was put out right near 4 o'clock this afternoon by Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. For those that have not seen or heard the statement, um, I'll read part of it, and then uh, and then we'll get Nate's thoughts on, on what this means. So from Bill Moose, I fully support the actions taken by the Big Ten Conference, as well as Chancellor Green and the University of Nebraska leadership. Safety of our students, coaches, staff, and fans have been the driving force behind the tough but necessary decisions that have been made. With competitions canceled for the academic year and organized team activities currently suspended, Our staff has been working to provide the necessary resources and caring moving forward of our student-athletes. The University of Nebraska works hard every day to provide the safest and most comfortable environment possible for all of our student-athletes. Our commitment, that is stronger than ever right now, and so on and so on. Uh, Continues on for another paragraph or so, but that's the gist of what Bill Moose had to say. Finally, Nate, um, the silence broken from Nebraska Athletics uh, your first year interpretations of of what Bell Moose had to say and and from a Nebraska athletics and academic standpoint what this means well what Bill Moose did is he highlighted that Nebraska is probably in about as good a position to take care of the student athletes and and to make sure that they still get something out of the rest of the semester as any athletic department in the country and and Nebraska works as hard as any school in the country as far as academic support and uh, supporting athletes as they they go through strength and conditioning and trying to prepare themselves to play so both athletically and academically I think uh, Nebraska tries to do right by the student athlete in every situation and and I think this is another place where that will show and you know Bill Moose mentioned his background as a former college football player and and so he can empathize with the disappointment that Uh, A lot of these winter sport teams in particular are feeling where wrestling had a fair chance to, if not win the whole thing, then at least make a big time run at the national wrestling tournament. We, you know, both gymnastics teams didn't get to finish out their season. We've touched on women's basketball being deprived the opportunity for postseason play. So he he speaks from that perspective as a former athlete. This isn't just somebody uh, who's always been an administrator. He knows what it's like to work and work and work and to not be able to finish off your year, uh, I, I think he can sympathize with those people and, and understand uh, where they're coming from. He also, uh, later on in that statement, um, 
emphasized his support for student-athletes that were seeking relief. And you mentioned the news earlier today that spring sports athletes would essentially get this year back. And uh, Nebraska, being the athletic department that it is, with the money it has, it's equipped to take care of more student-athletes and have bigger rosters. And for one year to exceed the scholarship limits, if that's allowed, Nebraska is in a better place than a lot of places to do those sorts of things. And, and Bill Moose mentioned that Nebraska would do everything it could for the student athletes. Yeah. So obviously um, Nebraska has a response to this and I'm sure we'll get more uh, from the university as, as some time passes, but we did hear from Bill Moose today. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, Nate, kind of what you hit on there and what Tim started the show by telling us about spring sports and eligibility. We had a number of calls yesterday asking about this, and it was entirely incomprehensible to me to think that this year was going to count towards a year of eligibility for the spring athletes. Now, this isn't just a deal where all the seniors are just going to use that year and come back. There will be, Nate, a handful of players, athletes in whatever sport, that are ready to move on after graduation and and are not going to take advantage of this. So while it was the right move for the NCAA, that doesn't necessarily mean that every athlete is going to take advantage of it. So there will still be fallout, but at least in terms of within the guidelines, within the rules, all of that's still unclear. We're not sure um, all the details on this. It's going to be named later, but I'm, I'm – for I cannot believe I'm saying this. This this now we're truly, hmm. truly living a dream because I'm about to say, well done by the NCAA for doing this in a quick manner to end the speculation, end the wonder, end the worry of all those athletes that could have potentially lost a year. I've never said that before. Mm-hmm. We are officially living in an alternate universe. Yeah, the NCAA uh, rarely does the right thing this quickly, this uh, forcefully. Uh, but there are still things to be worked out. How, how flexible are the scholarship limits? How how long are you allowed, essentially, to carry extra people on your roster? I think of Nebraska softball, for instance. There are eight players coming in next year, and there are four players who still have a year of eligibility, you know, that are seniors. But everybody everybody gets this year back. Well, that means pushes your roster availability as far as how much of a scholarship is available back one more year. Those scholarships don't come open, you know, for an extra year. And all that's, you know, things to work out, technicalities. I'm sure the NCAA and the the member schools are talking about it. But, yes, ultimately the NCAA did the right thing here. And you say a handful of athletes will opt to move on. I think it's more than that. Um especially if you graduate and especially if there's not a pro or international future for you. And I think that condition describes quite honestly, a whole lot of senior softball players. I mean, Mm -hmm. there there could be, there'll be plenty that come back. Don't get me wrong. It won't be an insignificant number that comes back, but I I think there'll be more of those that don't, take advantage of the extra year as well. That'll be a really interesting thing and a decision for all those guys uh, where where they can really ask, where they really have to ask themselves, do I want to come back? Do I want to put in one more year, even if 
I got my degree, even if uh, I've graduated or in some situations, you know, somebody sticks around for a fifth year and that's their one year to be a college kid, right? Like they played sports, they had to lift, they had to be in for 6 a.m. conditioning, the whole thing. And finally, their fifth year, they, they get to go out and be a college kid along with being a college student. And, and as we know, those are two different things. So I, I'll be really interested to see how many student athletes use that year. And, and I won't be surprised if there's a not insignificant number that say, you know what? I played my time. I'm disappointed I didn't get to have a senior day, but I'm going to move on with my with my life, and, and I'm ready for the next stage, though I'm sure more than not we'll come back for that one more year. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it bleeding into multiple sports, not just baseball. I mean, all the spring sports, really. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, I mean, I think what you said there is, is pretty well laid out. So that's what we have on tap here on the program. Coming up here in just a second, we'll talk with Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald. Sports Nightly on the Friday night edition, day one of the sports hiatus. I would say it's come and gone, but this is about when it's going to get bad right now. Yes. Six o'clock when all of the sports should be happening instead uh people listening to us instead so really really too bad for everybody but we're going to warm everybody up as we welcome into the program now chris hetty from the omaha world herald chris give me an idea of how day one went for you given everything you've been through in the last 48 hours it was fine i, I woke up to a text from uh from john niatawa who uh, covers creighton and uh, he wanted to record a podcast this morning, which was a good idea because that spent that took like most of my day going in the newsroom and talking about the last forty eight hours. So that was nice. Um, ask me in a week because <laughs> I've got ideas for about a week, and then I have no idea what we're gonna do. I'm kind of, so I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. Yeah, I mean it's just been an utter utter crazy situation, and you were one of the few that were uh, that were boots on the ground in Indianapolis at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Um, let's just start first with kind of the explosive part of the night. And maybe when you first got wind that coach Hoiberg, uh, wasn't feeling the best. And when that became something that you had your eye on. Yeah. I mean, we had actually talked to him earlier in the day. Um, so, you know, obviously the two football players were on the team, um, and they had announced that, uh, between media availabilities in the morning, um, and whenever they took off. So whenever uh, we were en route to Indianapolis, me and Chris Bazney, who covers the, the Journal Star, had both basically requested, like, hey, can we talk to Fred at some point um, just before the game, just so we can kind of, lack of a better phrase, get that out of the way. Um, and so we talked to him on um, Wednesday morning. He seemed fine. He seemed normal. Um, the only time that I, I ever noticed anything was during the game when, uh, when players were coming out, instead of fist bumping or high fiving, he was kind of putting up his forearm, and, and Nebraska's players were kind of hitting his forearm with uh, their forearm. And I thought, like, that's kind of odd. But I also thought, you know, well, Fred's you know cognizant of the world and knows what's going on, and um, so just thought it was, it was that. But then, obviously, I didn't really realize anything was really wrong until you know Stephen Bardo had said something on BCN about how Fred was was not feeling well all day, and then. Um, Obviously, the video came out, and that's when 
you know, whenever I saw him walk off the, the floor and into the tunnel, I just, I sent my game story immediately and was like, I'm going to find out what's going on. Um, cause obviously when you take into consideration what happened throughout that day and, and the day before, cause to be honest, you know, conferences were basically canceling their tournaments or they were taking fans out of their tournaments and everything that happened with the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder. At the time of the game, actually, the president was talking on um, national TV, primetime TV, about the situation. Um, and so I, sports has kind of been in the middle of this coronavirus situation. And uh, all of a sudden, when Fred Herbert left the, the court and he was sick, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, this could have been, this could be a kind of really intense situation. So that's when I left to go try and find, find him, figure out what was going on. And obviously, um, he went to the hospital and and it wasn't that, but it was just a just a very chaotic kind of hectic situation. No doubt. And I think, you know, at that time, everybody's looking for answers that nobody has. And that's what makes it difficult, frustrating, scary, um, you know, all those words. Um, I mean, what, what was that like? You know, just kind of hanging out, waiting, and trying to talk to somebody that knows something, and then, you know, ultimately finding out that, that he was uh, clear of the coronavirus and, you know, it was just the flu. Yeah, I mean, it was really, it's a really odd situation to be in um, because the thing is, is like, you know, I, I, over the season, like, you get to know Fred, um, you get to know the coach that you're covering, and, and you don't want to be somebody that's, like, pestering to an extent that it's frustrating, and you don't want to be, like, I think the thing that reporters can do um, when they, when they don't have the right intentions or the way that we can come off is that, like, we're trying to gain something by trying to get some information. So part of me was just, I just wanted to know if he was okay. You know what I mean? I mean, he's got, he's got a heart issue and uh, you know, we had heard that the basketball team was in quarantine, which means that from what I understand, I don't think they had a lot of um, communication with the outside world. So I had players, families asking me to continue to try and find things out because they didn't know what was going on. And that was a situation scary for them as well. Um, and so I just basically operated under, I'm only going to report, what I have heard and what I know. And if somebody else has something, that's great. But like, I'm going to, I'd rather be correct and be 20 minutes late than, than not. And so there was a report that, that Fred was in the hospital and just nobody that I had talked to at the arena actually knew that. Um, nobody had seen him like leave the building and then in an ambulance or a car. I mean, it was just, it was kind of a confusion and, and, you know, we knew they were quarantined and there was, I think the scariest part that made it really a big situation was, um, you know, the security was blocking off the hallway to and from the locker room. And they were doing that because of what they said, you know, basically, like, you can't go closer than this because there was a sick coach. Um, and that's not something that happens typically after a game or, you know, that's just that's just so out of the ordinary. And the security um, officials, they were they didn't really know exactly what was going on. And, and they were and it's just kind of a chaotic situation. And so once we found out that, he had gone to the hospital. Once we found out that the players were getting left out, they're being let out of the locker room. That's when we realized, like, okay, well, not realized, I guess. Just I, I assumed, okay, if they're letting them out of the locker room, then that to me means that there must be something that happened at the hospital with Fred, and they realized it wasn't as serious as it could have been. Um, in terms of that, that was true. So once once Nebraska left um, and got on the bus, I went to back to my hotel, which happened to be just right across street um and went up and called the hospital and to see if fred was still there he obviously he was not and then the, the relief came out a little bit later and so i mean it was a pretty scary situation 
Um, but and you obviously you you're, you're glad that that um, it wasn't anything serious. But I do think, um, and maybe this is just because I was really close to it. But I do think that what happened that night ended up leading to what happened over the next couple of days in terms of cancellation of tournaments and um, restriction of access of a lot of different things. Just because, like that right there was the worst case scenario. You know, like that was this is what it would look like um, if it was the worst thing that could happen because. You know, if he ended up for whatever reason having the coronavirus, then it's okay. Then it's, you know, well, you have to talk to his family and you have to talk to all the players. And also, there were, you know, it was a packed, it was a pretty packed house. I mean, Indiana was, they were playing Indiana, it was in Indianapolis where there's a ton of Hoosier fans. And so, like, it was just this really kind of chaotic environment. Um, and I think that once people woke up the next morning, I know when Tom Izzo was on the radio that next morning, he said, like, I don't want to play. Like, I don't know why we're doing this. Um, and so I think that. Um, if there, I mean, if there was any good that came out of it, I guess, I think it just kind of people who were maybe doubting or saying that this was an overreaction to take fans away from tournament sites and whatnot. I think it kind of just showed people that, you know, that, that it could have been much, much worse. And that's, that's just kind of a scary situation that you don't want to willingly try and put people in. Chris Eddy from the Omaha World Herald is our guest here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Chris, what was your interpretation of then seeing some national media take shots at Fred, take shots at Nebraska, take shots at the staff for putting everybody in danger, assuming that uh, on their part that no steps were taken and this was just, in their words, a reckless decision for Coach Hoiberg. Well, I mean, there's a couple things there. I mean, I think that I saw it earlier this year where, like, when Kobe King transferred um, from uh, when he decided he was going to leave Wisconsin, everyone kind of just, decided what the narrative was and decided why he was leaving and that he was soft and that, you know, this is, this is modern day culture and all millennials, like they're all soft and all these things. Well, it turns out there were some pretty good reasons for Kobe King to leave. Um, and so I, I thought it was one of those situations too, where I think, and I hate to be that guy, but in this culture that we have today, that, that we live in today, um, we decide what we decide happened. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, um, you could you can make an argument that you know Fred maybe he shouldn't have coached because he he was he had the flu or but at the same time like he he didn't know that beforehand he had been cleared I think you ask any coach in America like hey this might be your last game of the year you've got a chance at the Big Ten turn it's a tournament game you know you're feeling pretty good but you kind of you know haven't felt great but like you'll be like I think that in this again in this culture of sports like you fight through it right like that's something that we always you know we we praise Wanda Robinson or Jaden Spielman or whoever like playing through injuries like that's great and you know Fred was a 10-year NBA vet like that's like that's just in his in his in DNA like I'm gonna try and fight through this um and clearly he had been you know he had been cleared before the game two coach um and I, I think the one thing is like again in hindsight you can decide anything. I think in hindsight, when you look at all of the, just what had happened that day and all of the circumstances, um, then yeah, maybe he could have not coached. But at the same time, the other thing you have to realize too, a lot of the, the really explosive things that happened or were announced actually happened like during that game. Like during that, during, during the Nebraska game is when all the Rudy Gobert situation was happening. And again, the president was speaking and, Tournaments, like, there was questions of tournaments. And so I think what happened was sometimes it's just about when when uh, the news is starting to be realized by people. 
um, without all the kind of context clues of everything. And so, um, I mean, it's one of those things what's going to happen and like you, you just have to move on because like the next day someone else is going to be the villain. Um, but I mean, I think if you know, Fred, um, I, and you know, his family and you know, kind of their value system and what they're about, like, he's not going to be reckless. He's not, I mean, this is somebody who is, is like really in tune with, with his body. I mean, he can, he can take his pulse just sitting there because of his pacemaker. Like he's not going to mess around with anything like that. So, I mean, it was just kind of an unfortunate situation, but at the same time, like you're, you're glad that he's okay. You're glad that the, the team is okay and that it, that it wasn't worse than what it was. Yeah, no question about it. Well, Chris, before we cut you loose, we did get some news uh, around the team here recently that I say recently loosely because depending on when you were on <clears> Twitter <throat> is when you got that, that information that Cam Mack has decided to uh, throw his hat in the NBA draft <laughs> ring while maintaining his eligibility. Um, your take on this situation, what it could potentially mean for Nebraska, and, um, you know, you've been around Cam for about a year now. You know, what what you think the thought process was behind this? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't incredibly surprising to me. This is something that Cam has, has mentioned before, um, not necessarily, like, out in the open, but that he's shared on, like, his personal social media accounts just about, you know, he wants to go to NBA. That's always been his dream. That's, you know, the dream of any of any college basketball player. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I thought that that was something that as the season went on and there was a certain point there where he, he had kind of accomplished what he wanted to accomplish in the season. He got his name out there. He got his triple double. Um, and so I thought to myself, I wonder if maybe he goes in a different direction. Um, especially at the end of the year with, with, with the suspensions and him not going to the Big Ten tournament. Um, I'd wondered maybe if, if he would transfer somewhere or just like you kind of just start to think, well, here are the, maybe the directions he'd possibly go in. Um, when he declared, I was a little surprised. Um, but I also, then you think of the context of what he wants to accomplish and it's not crazy surprising. Um, you know, to be completely honest, like to be from a total objective standpoint, he, he, he has been on NBA draft boards before. Um, earlier, about two months ago, he was projected to be a really late second round pick, like a, like 60, 58, 59. That's something you can maybe bump up a little bit if he has a good combine. I think the one thing he's going to have to, try and overcome is obviously those suspensions at the end of the year and kind of being disciplined, being where he's supposed to be, doing what he's supposed to be doing. Um, the advantage that he has is that, you know, everybody knows his head coach in the NBA, you know, all the GMs know Fred Hoiberg, they like Fred Hoiberg. At the same time, Fred's going to be really honest. And if there's things that Cam was doing that, that, you know, he wouldn't want another GM to do, he's going to be honest about that. Um, so, I mean, I think it doesn't, from Cam's perspective, it doesn't hurt. You know, this is what players do now. They throw their hat in and they try and, you know, get get drafted and just see, and, and technically he could come back. Um, it also, just, though, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me just if, you know, if he doesn't come back to college basketball, if it's not to Nebraska, if it's another school, um, and, you know, we'll just have, have to kind of see. I mean, I think his situation um, in Nebraska's roster situation is just kind of a little fluid, and, and we'll just kind of see kind of how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. No doubt. Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald with us here on Sports Nightly. Chris, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the time. I've never ended an interview without a you know without a player or coach by saying good luck. So good luck. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to you too. Thanks, Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald. Really appreciate his time here tonight on Sports Nightly. Hour two, day one of coronavirus Sports Nightly <laughs> extravaganza. One way of putting um, it. Don't really know how to put it at this point. <laughs> so we're shooting from the hip and uh, might be this way for the next several weeks.
Good stuff from Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald in hour number one. Coming up here, up here in mere seconds, Matt Cotney from our own Husker Sports Network will stop by. Former, Then it's just former host of the show from here on out. Lane Grindle of the Milwaukee Brewers will stop by. Jeff Colhane will swing by the program as well. And we'll have some weekend review coming your way before we hang up for the weekend and get our bearings straight as well. 866-HUSKER-1, the number 866-487-5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We go there next and welcome on our good friend, Mr. Matt Coatney, the voice of Husker women's basketball here on the Husker Sports Network. Coat, what's your 48 hours have been like in the last few days? Well, first of all, you guys deserve a medal. You know, I went through this probably back in the mid-2000s when our studios were still over at the football stadium. And uh, our host at the time was Randy Lee, and he had an emergency and had to leave. And we had no guests in the middle of July, and I had to host for three hours with no guests, with no (laughs) notice. And that's Uh, the only thing I can compare to what you guys have going on. Um, I think like everybody, I'm just trying to wrap my arms around, first of all, where we are, you know, as a nation and as a society. And I really tried to put – uh, sports in the background and just tried to come to terms with, um, you know, we've never went through anything like this. Um, for the first time in my life, I've had the iPhone 10 for two years. It's the first time I got a low battery warning because of the amount of times I refreshed my Twitter feed um, last night. Uh, it just, it, it, you felt like if you spent 10 minutes away from checking on something, you were going to miss something dramatic, and everything that happened every 10 minutes would have been the story of the year in most years. So, um, you know, it's fascinating to think, guys, that just over a week ago I called a basketball game and I was fully expecting to be looking at a WNIT bracket in a few days and spending my weekend trying to figure out possible opponents for the Huskers and and. Quite frankly, taking a look at the Maryland Terrapin softball team so I could fill in for Nate Rohr next month <laughs> uh, during the football spring game at Maryland, and I was going to kind of do some advanced scouting on them. And uh, it's it, it, it's fascinating to me how quickly that has all just went poof. Um, and I don't think any of us could have imagined we would have been here even 48 hours ago. You mentioned, Coat, that – just a slew of cancellations, postponements, suspensions of seasons, that sort of thing. That that was, you know, any one of those would be the story of the year if it happened in an isolated year. But they happened not just one after another, but really in the space of 36 hours, we went from the sports world and the sports schedule looking pretty much like it would always look to now there's nothing there. When did you... When did it flip for you from, hey, this is something that we've got to keep an eye on to, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, shaking and shattering the the sports world? Well, I compare it to the day 9-11 happened when they grounded all the airplanes. That's when it hit me like, oh, my goodness, we grounded all the airplanes. I couldn't believe it. When it hit for me was when the NBA canceled or I'm sorry, suspended their season 
as the optics on Fred Hoiberg was making national social media, uh, it went viral. Unfortunately for Fred, and you guys have covered it very well, whether we like it or not, the optics were bad, and you had the um, you had the president's speech telling everybody, if you're sick, stay home. You have Rudy Gobert, and you've got that you the NBA suspending their season, and the incredible video that's going on, and you've got. As soon as Fred Hoiberg was shown being sick, I thought in my mind, the Big Ten tournament's going to get canceled. And at that point, I kind of thought back to the the 9-11 day when they grounded the airplanes where I thought, we 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 were going to see airplanes grounded in the sports world. We're going to start seeing postponements and suspensions and cancellations. And I think that hour or two is when it all kind of hit me that we were approaching something we'd never seen before. Yeah, I mean, it's it was just utter shock for everybody. And then, of course, it leaked into what what I'm close to with baseball and what you're close to with women's basketball, two different, com- completely different points to the season. But when did that set in, that this was going to affect eventually the end of the women's basketball season and, and for those seniors, their careers? You know, I think it really hit for me uh, yesterday morning. Uh, as soon as the NCAA had said that they were going to play the tournaments but without fans, I thought, eh, they're going to have to do more than that. Because once um, federal officials said, do not fly on airplanes unless absolutely necessary, and once the stock market started losing 17%, uh, you know, and I realize that this is not about games anymore. This is about keeping our economy on stable ground. This is about making sure hotels don't go bankrupt, making sure that our our hospitals don't get overrun. And I, I didn't realize that, you know, there are about 20 different reasons you could not play this tournament. One, you can't put... 64 teams on an airplane and 64 groups of fans in hotels that if one person gets the coronavirus, you have to shut the hotel down. Uh, And, you know, so I started thinking of this, and I put this on my social media that I started looking at this from a perspective of this is a war against an invisible foe. Uh, you know, if this were 9-11, at least it's tangible what we're fighting. Um, but what we're fighting here is you could be perfectly fine, but you make someone else sick, and we're trying to keep people from from overrunning our, our hospitals. And you think about at a Big Ten tournament, how many hospital or uh, emergency um, medical people do you need there? And we need those people to be, you know, helping others right now. So I think at that point I really kind of thought, this is going to be on a much larger scale, and um, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I just think this is the the mic check for the warm up act. I, you know, you think about where we were 48 hours ago. None of us could have imagined any of this, and people were stunned. They they canceled the College World Series and the Masters and all that. I think we need to think a lot broader than that. I I, I don't think any of us know how long this thing could go. And uh, it's just stunning, but, uh, you know, I think from my standpoint, once, you know, to answer your question, Ben, once I realized that the NCAA tournament was was not going to get played, I I knew my season was over for women's basketball, and 
you know, it's very frustrating and it's very sad. And I, I feel sorry for especially the seniors. Chatting with Matt Coatney here on Sports Nightly. He's our voice of Husker women's basketball, among other duties. You mentioned your season being over, um, and that's a bit of a surprise. Of course, we would be chatting with you one way or another as you guys uh, got off to a great start this year, but uh, stumbled in Big Ten play. Uh, what was your overall picture of Husker women's basketball this year? How uh, how did the season turn so drastically from a really good start uh, to a tough time through Big Ten play. You know, um, it, it, it's really funny if you if you take a look back on reflection. If someone and, and and I did say this before the season, you know what you know would be the ceiling for Nebraska. I said they could be a, a, a definitely they're going to be a postseason team. I thought, and I thought if everything turned out well, they could be an NCAA team, but would be a bubble team, uh, 50-50 chance of being a WNIT team or an NCAA team, and that's really how it turned out. I think what was disappointing was how Nebraska got there. Uh, starting off so well um, in the non-conference, and then January went very well. But then uh, it just seemed that Nebraska had these wild swings where they would have a 14-point lead over Ohio – I'm sorry, 15-point lead over Ohio State at the half and then lose it over time. Or – get down 21 to Purdue in the first half, come back to take a seven-point lead and then lose in the second half. And you see these wild swings. And a lot of it had to do uh, with uh, Nebraska not having Taylor Kissinger when she got hurt after the non-conference. And uh, I don't think enough was made about, you know, it's easy to say she's a three-point shooter, but she's a real leader on that team and a good rebounder and it had become a really vital part of that team. And not really having a true point guard presence to put the ball in a position where Kate King could be successful, Leah Brown could be successful, Sam Ivey could be successful. Um, you know, Hannah Whitey has been playing the point guard for years. Sam Ivey has been playing it, but they weren't really brought here as true point guards. So uh, I think once teams have a lot of film on Nebraska, Taylor Kissinger left and uh, were able to take away some of those passing lanes. I mean, Nebraska's defense was great throughout the year, and it got better and better, but the scoring without Kissinger just wasn't there as they got deeper in the season, and that was what was really disappointing. Coach, when you look at kind of the landscape now of what Amy Williams has built, you're starting to get a, a really good sense of how you want her teams to look when you think about what type of player she's going to attract and, and what this team's going to look like, how close do you feel this team is from, from being, you know, all systems go in terms of what she wants this team to look like on the floor? I think she is a, a point guard that can handle the ball in late situations away and a consistent rebounding inside threat away from being where she wants it to be. Because if she had those things, you know, she, she wants to play a lot of players. She wants to keep fresh players in the game. She wants to get up and down. And right now, she doesn't. She has some of those pieces, but not all of those pieces in place. I know that they have been trying to get uh, a point guard in here so that Hannah and Sam – you know, wouldn't have to necessarily have those duties. Leah Brown had the ball in her hands. And, and I know they've done a really good job of trying to find those, but 
you don't just go down to the grocery store and, and you know, find a six foot eight, three hundred and thirty pound right tackle. You just don't go down and find a Lindsey Moore, a Rachel Terrio, a Natalie Romeo, some of the great point guards that have been in this program. But I think um, that's what Nebraska really needs. The, uh, the rest of the pieces are there. The rebounding has was a problem. Nebraska got out-rebounded quite a bit, and I think they need that that really physical presence down below uh, that that can help against those Big Ten posts um, that that really want the ball. Those are the couple of things I think Amy is looking for. You lose two seniors from this year's, or two really big seniors from this year's team, Hannah Widish and Nicaea O'Leary. What holes do they leave for next year's squad that that need to be filled in, in addition to what you just mentioned? Well, first of all, Nicaea O'Leary was an elite defender, and I think she's up there with people like Haley Sample and Dominique Kelly in terms of top level defenders that Nebraska has had. She won so many games in the fourth quarter in her career. Not a not a great high-volume score, but hit clutch baskets and was a good leader for this team. And then Hannah Whitey, there were so many times this year that when she was off the floor, I mean, the offense just couldn't run. And, uh, you know, she battled some injuries the last couple of years. I, I don't think enough's been made of that, you know, she didn't really talk that much about. But she was the glue holding the thing together uh, that – you know, the offense really didn't run that well. And, and, in fact, the defense was a lot better when Hannah was out there. So, um, losing – and in minutes. I mean, you, you talk about two four-year starters that were, you know, just riding down in the lineup every night. White H. and Wiley. I mean, those those are in the lineup. So, uh, Nebraska's got people who, who certainly have uh, been around the program long enough who can go in, have played starters minutes – but I think that's the main thing. They're going to have to have somebody be that lockdown defender. And they kind of missed some of that when Jazz Sincor left off the NCAA team in each second year. And uh, I think that's going to be the, the hardest thing is that wing defender who can take away the three position, can really go down and defend on the block, uh, can go out to the perimeter and, you know, and, and be disruptive. Nebraska was not good this year in turning teams over. Eliley aside and so they're gonna to have to find somebody who can cause some turnovers all right coat i know this is going to be a tough stretch for us baseball lovers uh, you being one of oh. them how, how are you going to bridge this gap without without ball back keeping you company you know i'm going to have to put on an endless loop of the 1982 world series i'm going to have to get my john stuper fix <laughs> i'm going to have to get my steve braun fix my Tito Landrum fix, my Ozzy Smith fix, uh, and go back and watch my Cardinals. I'm uh, probably going to have to watch uh, some interviews with Bob Gibson. Uh, without my Cardinals, you know, when, when my when my basketball season ends, I am like full force on my St. Louis Cardinals. And so uh, it's going to be tough right now, as it is for, you know, so many people on our network are baseball guys, and I'm talking to two of them right now, and I've been to baseball games with you guys, and if you're a baseball fan right now and you don't have baseball right now, ugh, you know, so uh, thank, thank you, YouTube. I'm going to have to find all those old St. Louis Cardinals videos. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we all are at this point. Um, it stinks. I mean, it really stinks not having not having baseball to keep us company, especially this time of the year. Opening day is just so exciting, and everyone's full of hope, even Royals fans, for even mm. a week. And 
Um, you know, it's just <laughs> it's just sad to, sad to not have it. Coat, it was awesome sitting down with you, man. Thanks so much for uh, for giving us your perspective, and I uh, feel awful for you and the team that had to end this way. But let's hope bigger and better days are on the way. Uh, let's let's just keep everybody safe, and uh, you know, thoughts to everybody. Just keep yourself safe, and we'll get through it together. Thanks, guys. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Here's Lane! Major League Baseball insider Lane Grindle. Um, Well, the sports world has been rocked the last 48 hours. How have you kind of... How have you kind of processed the last couple of days? I, you know, I really can't say that I have. I, I think we're all still kind of wrapping our arms around this. and It's just such a unique situation. Uh, unprecedented has been the word that so many people have used. And I mean, we've seen stoppage of the sports world before in the past. Um, but this was more of a slow burn. It wasn't that, like that shocking thing that we didn't see coming. I mean, we've kind of seen this could be an issue for a ways out. Um, but then the suddenness of it went from, Hey, there's this issue in the future to boom, everything's just halted. Um, that was pretty wild. And I, I think the analogy I would use, and I'm sure I'm not the first person that will use it or that has used it is that this thing was kind of like a reservoir filling up in a dam and, uh, or a dam filling up a reservoir. And when the jazz situation happened the other night, that kind of broke the dam. And I think everybody realized, okay, yeah, we got to do something here. And so everybody's being very proactive, try to slow this thing down as much as you possibly can. And I think the, the good news is we know there's going to be sports on the back end of this. It's going to happen. But the kind of weird part about it is the indefinite feeling of it. And I think that's what makes it kind of strange is we, we, we really just don't know when games are going to start again in any sport. You've been in Phoenix, spring training for the Brewers. It's been going on. So uh, Major League Baseball – has put, what, a two-week hiatus on things? What, what, what exactly is the stance from MLB? Well, yeah, um, the earliest we would play games, again, would be, I think, essentially April 9th, if you, if you look at the calendar, um, a two-week delay in the regular season. And then we'll kind of go from there. I mean, nobody really knows. There's not a template here. There isn't, a, you know, a playbook that we're, anybody's working off of, so... Um, really, I think this is, to use an analogy, this is a little bit like once a game starts and you put it in the hands of the umpire, it's in the umpire's hands now, I think now it's going to really be in our public health officials' hands. Um, you know, if and when they say this is going to be okay, then I think everybody will resume. But right now, Major League Baseball is preparing uh, as if they will get started after that two-week uh, delay um, until they know otherwise. Well, you've been in Phoenix. What Are you staying there? What are you going to do? Well, that's kind of been the question over the last 24 to 36 hours. I mean, kind of been preparing for this. I, Wednesday when um, I, we were at Camelback Ranch playing the Dodgers, before that game even started, you had this feeling that that might be the last spring training game that you were going to be at this year. Right? I mean, it just kind of felt like that's where things were headed at that point in time. And so um, started kind of you know keeping my eye on things, but also realizing that, when all these decisions were made, the last thing anybody's really worried about is when does Lane Grindle get home? Because there's a million things everybody's <laughs> trying to figure out logistically. And so you're also like, okay, I'm just going to sit back and, and, and just kind of give everybody time to, to figure out everything they need to get figured out. And 
Uh, finally, last night, uh, just a very casual conversation with management. The question was asked, when are you going home, Lane? And I said, well, when I can. <laughs> and they said, you can go home whenever you want. Um, there's no games to broadcast down here, so you might as well go home and be with your family. So I- I'm on my way home now. I'm in the Phoenix airport, and uh, I'll fly back tonight. And uh, it'll be nice. I mean, it's kind of weird. I- I'll be honest with you. Packing up my condo and pulling out of that parking lot. And I went over to the complex today to drop off some bags to go back on the truck. It was a weird feeling. It, it, it felt like quitting. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, this is weird. Uh, you know, I'm still supposed to be here for a little bit longer. So it was a strange feeling, um, you know, pulling out because you're usually pulling out of here and within a couple of days, opening days happening. And um, so the, the lack of, uh, you know, definitive information right now, and it's the lack of it is because we just don't know. Nobody really knows. And so it's just a weird situation. It really is. But uh, we'll all get through it, and uh, this country will rally. And, and when sports come back, they're going to come roaring back. We know that. Yeah, Lane Grindle's with us, our Major League Baseball insider. How are the airports? We've seen some pictures of some airports that look like they're only half, half full. What was your experience at Sky Harbor? <laughs> just another day, yeah. honestly. Um, I mean, I've flown in and out of here. You've flown in and out of this airport a million times yourself, Greg. I mean, this is a busy airport, and, and today was no different. This is probably, honestly, in the last three or four years, today might be the busiest I've ever seen this airport. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is – and I kind of expect that it would be. I think over the next couple of days – and I know there's been some pictures of airports that weren't very full and some people taking pictures on flights that weren't full, but I have a feeling there, there's going to be plenty of air traffic over the next couple of days because I think a lot of people are just trying to get – to where they need to be, and and then they kind of set up base from there. Yeah. Well, you used to be a, a big part of the college game in the college baseball space, which their season, unfortunately, is over. You, your heart's got to go out to those young guys and, and the coaches who put so much effort into getting ready for a year. No doubt. I, it's, it's, I think the thing about these types of situations that, I mean, obviously, yeah, your heart, your heart, your thoughts go out to those people for, for, I mean, it's just it's it's really disruptive to them, and, and something that they put a lot of time into and and prepare for. But at the same time, again, I get fascinated by all the logistics involved. Because a lot of people are talking about, hey, what if we, you know, I mean, obviously you could probably grant a redshirt to all the seniors, but what does that do about roster numbers? What does that do about scholarship limits? And is it a one-year fix, or is it like a five-year fix? Because you know, hey, the juniors are losing a year too, so. It's really fascinating, and how that all shakes out is going to be something I'm going to watch closely because you're going to have to increase scholarships. You're going to have to increase roster sizes as well. And, uh, man, it, this, look, this is very disruptive, and it's, it pales in comparison to what's happening because it needs to happen because we need to be worrying about public health and people's lives. And I think everybody understands that, and that's why everybody's been proactive here. But at the same time, um, when we get on the right side of this, finally, there's going to be a lot to sort out, and it's going to be really interesting to see it all shake out. Well, biggest, toughest question of the day, what are you going to do this weekend? <laughs> I think we're all kind of just <laughs> trying to figure that out, right? I mean, um, I, I'm going to be with my kids, which will be great. Um, I, 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 look, I would buy a lot of Netflix stock if I had the capability of doing that right now because <laughs> I think it's going to be very popular for a lot of people. I think there's going to be a lot of people 
doing the whole let's sit on the couch and binge Netflix over the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, that's probably not the worst thing in in terms of what we're being advised to do right now anyway. Um, and then when the time is right, you know, everybody will kind of hit pause again so we can unpause things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy seeing my kids. I haven't seen my kids in two weeks. So I'm going to enjoy some time with them. This weekend won't be as challenging to figure out as future weekends when you're thinking about, oh, you know, the NCAA tournament should be going on or, oh, you know, well, and I guess the NCAA tournament should be going on. But, uh, you know, what else? Uh, you know, opening day should be here. I mean, th- those are going to be the days where it's going to get kind of like, huh, what do we do with ourselves? I don't know. I may become a movie critic and, and start watching a bunch of movies at home. There you go. Sounds like a plan. Well, we appreciate it. Um, hopefully th- this gets passes sooner than later and we can get you back weekly for our, our Major League Baseball updates. I can't wait to do it. It'll be great. And we're back. Third hour of the night of Sports Sunday, final hour of the week. Coming up this hour, we'll have our weekend preview. We'll be joined by the former host of this show, Jeff Colhane, now the voice of the North Dakota State Bison. We'll have our weekend review here of Sports Sunday. We'll wrap her all up with our winners and losers of the week. But let's get the hour underway with the preview. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin. Well, as we always do here on the Weekend Preview, we start with Husker Sports. And we end with Husker Sports because there are none. So let's move on to the professional sports where nothing's happening. Wow. That's going to do it for the Weekend Preview. What am I going to do all weekend? (laughs) Um, <laughs> you're probably going to have, you know, some vacuuming to do. You're going to have to go to, uh, you know, the, the hardware stores and fix that creaky floor, you know, replace those, uh, faulty doorknobs. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be Mr. Fix it this weekend. Yeah, you're probably right. And you know, the weather, <laughs> the weather's not going to be very good. I guess I could watch some state basketball, right? I mean, that still would be going on so I could watch. The Nebraska State Basketball Championship. So maybe that's what I'll do. But that that only covers my Saturday. I guess my son. Man, it, this is this is where it's going to start hitting home, Ben. Right? I mean, when you when you're going, all right, plop down on a Saturday afternoon or something, and go, ooh, man, I guess I'm going to watch a movie or something. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we kind of said this yesterday, but the fights with the wives on watching games. <laughs> uh, uh, we've surrendered. <laughs> you know, we have surrendered. So HGTV. Uh, we're hitting on Netflix right now. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what it's called. It's a, it's like a, the ring or the circle or something like that about social media and, you know, people trying to, you know, get people to like them virtually. So this is what it's going to be. This is what our lives are at now. I'm thinking about maybe, you know, hosting a billiards tournament, pool table in my basement that we can do. Maybe we can get some type of competitive juices flowing in the McLaughlin basement. But, yeah, this is this is where we're at. It's sad. Wow. Sounds good. Well, one guy who can sympathize with us joins us now, and that's the former host of this little ditty, 
Jeff Colhane, now the voice of the North Dakota, North Dakota State Bison. Jeff, uh, appreciate you spending part of your Friday night with us. What? Uh, how have you processed the last 48 hours? Oh, man. Uh, world's been rocked, Sharpie, right? I mean, it, it's been sad. It's been sobering. It's been surreal. It's been uh, disappointing, helpless. I think is another term I would I would use. You know, you go back to Wednesday, and I'm driving home from our our conference tournament in Sioux Falls that that North Dakota State won as a one a team in a one bid league going to the NCAA tournament, and you feel great. I mean, you're on top of the world. Life's great, and and then all of the you know, postponements and cancellations start to happen around the country. And the first thing I thought of was, well, there's no way that they're not going to allow fans into the NCAA tournament. Well, 3, 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon, the tournament's going to be played with no fans. Like, okay. And then I think it hit me Thursday night, Greg, uh, you know, when or, or Wednesday night, I should say, when um, Rudy Gobert for the Jazz tested – that he had the coronavirus and the NBA shut down. And I think about 9.30 Wednesday night, I realized that the NCAA tournament probably wasn't going to happen. And it says, you know, I'm not going to put this whole situation as the the same type of, you know, um, tragedy or whatever term you want to use for it as 9-11. But it certainly is historical, and it it is very, very scary and heartbreaking I think in a lot of ways you come from the euphoria of having that happen for the second straight year to this I can't imagine the 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 head coach meeting with the team to say guys sorry it's over that had the emotions in that room had to be off the chart well I called our head coach David Richmond yesterday after the news broke and we talked for about 15 minutes and he was very emotional um You know, it's different for the smaller schools, uh, especially schools from one-bid leagues that you have to win your conference tournament. You have to play well over three or four nights. That's the only way you can get in. And from our perspective, North Dakota State was playing really, really well. And I think NDSU would have been a 15 seed in the the NCAA tournament. And, you know, probably – no, no question the odds are against you to beat a two, but it doesn't mean it couldn't happen. And so we had a senior-laden team. We had four seniors, two of them that were playing at, you know, uh, mid-major All-American caliber level uh, with, with Tyson Ward and Vinny Shahid. And we also have an Omaha kid in, in, in Jared Samuelson from Gretna, Nebraska, who's a senior and played well in the Summit League tournament. So, you know, just so disappointing, Greg. I mean, those guys are asking questions about, you know, is there anything we can do? You know, are we going to be able to play again? Are, you know, asking questions about the virus. And, you know, David Richmond, our head coach, said to me, you know, as a head coach, you're supposed to have all the answers for your guys. And I felt helpless. I didn't have any answers. I didn't know what to tell them. And all I could do really was listen to, to how they felt and what they had to say. And so from a, a smaller school's perspective, 
um, and, and a program like NDSU who has gone to four NCAA tournaments in the last seven years and was supposed to go uh, again here back-to-back, uh, it, it hurts. It hurts in a big-time way. And I should also mention that, that Sam Griesel is a sophomore on our team. He's at a Lincoln East High School in Lincoln, Nebraska. So we've got some Nebraska ties in our, our team with some of our players and uh, just a really, really uh, hard situation to process and try to wrap your head around the last 48 hours. The NCAA, I think, when they dropped the announcement yesterday, I think a lot of people thought it was probably coming. What I didn't anticipate, Jeff, maybe you did, was just shutting down the spring sports and all the spring championships that some are happening as, as, as close to the 4th of July as you can possibly get. Did that surprise you? Oh, no question. No doubt about it. And I think it even surprised some of the 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 higher-ups around college athletics as far as conference commissioners, Greg. I'm sure you've seen SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey live on Paul Feinbaum's show as the news broke, basically asking the question out loud, I'd love to hear what went into the decision-making process of canceling the spring championships and I think most significantly the College World Series in Omaha. The only thing I can think of is the NCAA with their medical experts and legal experts were being told that this this whole deal, this virus, whatever, is not getting better anytime soon. And if you if you just get in front of it, if you cancel it, um, you're you're you know, you're, uh, wa- you know, you're not going to waste anybody's time or provide hope where there's not going to be any hope. Um, and, again, I'm just – I'm spitballing. I don't know. But I was blown away. What's the problem in waiting? You know, what, what's the issue in saying, you know what, we're going to reevaluate in 30 days? And I'll be honest with you, I've got no problem saying that for the NCAA men's and women's tournaments either. Let's wait 30 days. Bat- the NBA's doing it. Major League Baseball is doing it. The NHL is doing it. Let's, let's wait 30 days and, and see what happens. I realize logistically the NCAA tournament's a, a clunker. It's a different beast. And I have also been told that the NBA draft is something for some of these student-athletes that could be a little bit of a, um, an issue. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I selfishly – would have loved to have seen a way to keep the, the dream of playing the NCAA tournament alive. But obviously I understand why they, they had to make the decision that they did. But honestly, I don't really understand why they've already canceled all spring sports and, and spring championships. They must believe that this is, is not going away anytime soon. Yeah, Jeff Colhane's with us, a former host of Sports Island, now up in North Dakota State as the voice of the Bison. North Dakota State had secured a bid to the NCAA tournament by winning the Summit League tournament earlier in the week in front of full crowds. Everybody, at least at least in your league, everybody got the full experience of their conference yeah. tournament. I've seen some national writers, Jeff, Jeff Goodman being one of those, saying he, he wishes CBS would go ahead and have their selection show on Sunday and put together the bracket and announce that. As a, as a guy of a voice of a team that's in that, does that have any interest to you at all, or is that just wasting people's time? I, you know, I don't know. It's almost like going to a funeral, I guess. Uh, you know, I maybe the players would love to see it. If if I asked our players 
and they said uh, we would absolutely be behind it 100 percent then i would say let's do it but i don't know if that's the case you know i think it will be more of you know going to the funeral you know we've we've had a tragedy here's three four days ago you go to the funeral and then you revisit all of those same emotions again and and know you're not going to be able to play or be able to be a part of the entire experience of traveling to the cities and, and playing in the big arenas and you know for from our perspective having the chance to shock the world and and beat a blue blood like a Kentucky or a Villanova that we've been projected to play against so you know, I don't know. I think that, sure, maybe there's closure there to it, possibly. Uh, but I would, I would almost, Greg, just leave it up to the players. If the players said, absolutely, I'd love to do it, then I'd be all for it. If not, I'd probably stay away from it, to be honest with you. To back up your position, uh, and I said this last night, usually we poke fun of Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred, but I think the way they've attacked this, Jeff, is exactly right. We're going to pause for two weeks. We're going to reevaluate. We know we're not going to get our season started on time, but what, well, in two weeks' time we'll see where everything is and make some more decisions for the future. That seems like the very logical. I can't believe more leagues didn't kind of go down that route. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, I um, when you compare the pro and college model, it, it's, it's certainly different, right? I mean, with um, class time and campuses being closed, you know, pro sports don't have to worry about any of that stuff, right? Sure. The optics of competing if your campuses are closed and your students are not around. Um, so there, there's, a, there's certainly similarities and differences there. But just from a pro sport perspective, you know, absolutely. Uh, the timing of it for Major League Baseball, uh, I guess you could say somewhat works out because you're not playing real games yet. Also, if you're unable to start the season, you can just say, well, we didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, the, the season beginning and then taking our teams and players away from competition. So we'll be curious to see here in the next 30 days with Major League Baseball, the NBA, uh, the NHL specifically, um, what they find out. Because the next, you know, the next steps are everything you hear is that this thing isn't going away. In fact, it might get worse over the next 30 to 60 days. So if it gets worse, when you reevaluate, what's your timetable then? How deep into the summer, if you're those pro sports, can you push this stuff? Would the NBA be willing to play games in August? Yeah. Um, I don't know. The NHL, uh, how, how far do you push this? Major League Baseball, you would anticipate if they were going to play a season that it would be short and they would not be able to get 162 games in uh, to, to 2020, uh, I would guess. I don't know. But it's just so amazing, Greg, how rapidly the, the situation and the circumstances in this story has changed. To, to go from Wednesday morning to not believing that they wouldn't let fans in to venues at the NCAA tournament, to Thursday afternoon and having the tournaments and the spring championships called off, I don't even – that's another part of how it's hard to kind of process this whole situation with how rapid the movement has been. Yeah, no doubt. Toughest question for you right here. What are you going to do with your weekend? Are you a Netflix guy? Yep. What are you watching right now? Ozark. Is, is the third season out? No, nope. I'm, I'm late in season oh. one. I, I, I picked it up about two weeks ago. I'm like eight episodes in. 
Isn't the first 20 minutes of the first episode oh, just unbelievable? My gosh. It's great. And I'm a huge Jason Bateman guy. I think he's a stud. I do too, um, yeah. So I've Ozark is great. I think that third season is coming out. Soon. Uh, maybe at the end of the month, yeah. I believe. So that might help. Uh, Westworld on HBO season three is on Sunday. I'm rewatching season two now that I have some more time. There you go to do so. Um, and now the Masters is postponed, Sharpie, in a few weeks. I mean, it's that. it's tough sledding for us sports guys right now. Boy, their TV ratings would have been through the roof if they'd have played. Oh my goodness, yeah, would have been big time. Yeah, big time. Well, I feel for you. I feel for your coaches and players who uh, earned themselves a spot in the dance and. To have it ripped away from them, I just can't can't hardly imagine it's we're in un, unchartered territory here in America. But I, I, I believe in the spirit of this country. I think we'll fight our way through this. It's tough times, man. It really is. It's tough times, and you're right. We'll, we'll figure it out. We always do. Uh, it's probably going to take longer than what we want it to, and what we're we're hoping it does. But um, it, it will certainly fuel the appetite for football once again in late summer and early fall. And uh, like you said, I feel for all the athletes out there, the coaches that are going through this, this is just, it's a, it's a nightmare for them. And, and uh, we hope uh, in years to come that those student athletes and coaches can, can find a little more success in whatever they're doing uh, no, down the road. No doubt. We appreciate your time. Be safe. Thanks my friend. You too. Have a good one.